This is PhotoBizX, episode number 378, and today we are talking curation and how if you do it correctly and you do it well, it can lead to a massively successful business. And our special guest is one of the very best when it comes to curation, finding a photographer's voice and helping them to exploit that to attract their ideal clients. I'm talking about Blair de Lobenfels, and that interview's coming up in just a minute. Are you planning to have a successful wedding and portrait photography business? Join Andrew as he interviews successful photographers and business experts to fast track your success. Welcome to the Photo Biz Exposed podcast with your host, Andrew Helmich. Hey, it's Andrew Helmich here from Impact Images, and welcome to this episode of the podcast. Looking forward to getting into this interview with Blair in just a minute. I think you're really going to enjoy the conversation and also take a lot away from it, whether or not you photograph weddings, because the approach that Blair recommends every photographer takes will apply to you no matter the genre you focus on. And I've got to say also quickly, a big thanks to Kelly Wilkie for recommending and suggesting I get in touch with Blair for today's episode. More about all that in just a minute. As far as me and my week is concerned, I'm just back from five days away with Linda and we we spent the last five days in the Blue Mountains. We've had a fantastic time discovering lots of new walks. Uh, somehow I got talked into accompanying Linda while she's doing this 10,000 steps per day challenge and <laughs> yeah. I can honestly say I wish I had my bike with me for most of the days we spent in the Blue Mountains because I walked more than I've ever walked, I think, in the last five days. But it was a terrific time. In saying that, we we were meant to be in Girona, Spain right now because of coronavirus. That was all cancelled. We decided to take a week off at this time of year right now, and we settled on Noosa, which if you aren't familiar with the, the town or the area, Noosa, it's in... I guess say uh, northern, no, it's not really northern Queensland. It's it's up north. It's in Queensland. It's beautiful and sunny and warm, a lot warmer than it is here in Sydney. And because of coronavirus, the borders were closed and we weren't able to go there either. So we settled on the Blue Mountains, <laughs> so even colder than what we've got here in Sydney. But yeah, we, we had a great time away. Uh, I kicked off the daily vlog challenge while I was away, and uh, that's up and running now. We're in the, into week two, starting today, of the three-week challenge, and it's, uh, it's already been so good to see the growth and improvements from the members that are participating in this particular challenge. And the other thing that I did kick off in the last week was a personal blog. I haven't had a personal blog for so long. I used to just put everything onto the the Impact Images blog or onto Instagram or back in the day even on Facebook. And since I've cut those apps from my phone, I feel like I really still want to be sharing and uploading and, and keeping a record of some of the things that I'm doing, which I was using mainly Instagram for. Since I'm taking a break from those particular apps, I thought, you know, this is this is a good time to to start a blog and to to keep a record of the things that I want to be sharing. And it doesn't have to be for for everyone. It doesn't have to be to generate tons of traffic, to direct people to the Photo BizX podcast, to my Impact Images website. It can just purely be something for me, which is which is why I actually started on Instagram in the first place. It's probably why you started on Instagram in the first place. You know, it's a, a spot to share your photography, your thoughts, your work. 
So yeah, I've started <laughs> started a blog. I decided on the WordPress platform because I'm familiar with it. I know it. I understand it. I found a very basic theme. And the idea is to just keep it simple so I can keep it updated just like I would an Instagram feed. So that's what I've been up to. I did look at other platforms like Squarespace and Wix, even Tumblr. I thought about going back onto Instagram, but I thought, you know what? Why not just create a simple blog so that I I actually own the content, I own the site, I own the space. If I decide not to go ahead and continue to update it, I can archive it and still have it accessible. There's no pressure to do anything specific with it. I don't need to try and get it to rank. I don't have to consistently upload to it. I can be as sporadic as I want to. I can have as much copy or as little copy as I want. I can edit the images the way I see fit. It really is just a personal little space on the internet, which, yeah, I'm hoping it's going to be fun. And uh, hopefully I'll be uploading to it consistently. So do do you do anything like this yourself? Do you have a space or a place or an area, whether it's on your hard drive, whether it's online, to, to curate and, and share your, let's call them family images, for want of a better term, your personal images, or do you put it all onto your website? Does everything go onto your blog, or do you keep some things tucked away, yeah, just on a hard drive? Or do you use something like Tumblr or a separate Instagram account or Facebook account to, to have that stuff? Or maybe it goes onto your personal Facebook account. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious, do you have a space where you upload personal stuff? You know, for your family and your friends, it doesn't have to be for your clients specifically. If you have, let's talk about it in the members Facebook group or feel free to leave a comment in the comments area for today's show notes. I really am interested to see if you are doing that kind of thing, do you think it's important as a photographer to have somewhere to post your personal images, thoughts, ideas, document your family time, holidays, etc., or does everything just go onto Facebook, onto Instagram, onto your blog. Yeah, let me know. I'm really, I'm curious to see what you're doing with the things that may not specifically fit or tie into your actual photography business. And now, a macro look at our last episode. In last week's episode, I interviewed Eduardo Pavez Goya, and I guess you could say his interview ties into a couple of previous interviews, specifically with the one I, I did with Dan Milnor, And, uh, you know, the focus was on personal projects, getting better as a photographer, staying creative, getting to know your gear, being more proficient as a photographer. Yeah, I I guess there's a running theme here at the moment, which probably ties into me and what I'm going through as well. But I really do think that what Eduardo was talking about and sharing in last week's episode ties into being a better professional photographer, to to being a, a more successful and proficient photographer by absolutely knowing your gear inside and out. And and I know, I know for a fact, after seeing some comments from different members in the PhotoBizX community who want to get good or want to understand how to do a, a, a particular technique when it comes to lighting or off-camera flash or using particular lenses or getting a particular look or emulating what another photographer is doing, I know that they want to do that, but they don't want to do the work to get better and learning how to actually do it. They, they, they're looking for this simple shortcut. Tell me the, the aperture, the ISO, and the shutter speed, where I put my flash and what I set it at to get this look. It's like, you know, it takes so much more than just the settings to get proficient, to understand actually how to create that kind of, that kind of image, whatever it may be. 
And interestingly, it came up in last week's episode with Eduardo when I interviewed Jerry Gahonis way back, I mean, probably five years ago now. One of the biggest things he talked about in that interview was the fact that so many photographers just want to be good, but they don't want to practice. They don't want to learn. They don't want to understand the technical side of photography to be able to create the kind of images that they see anytime they want because they've never actually learned how to do it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to go into a rant on all this. Get back and have a listen to Eduardo's episode if any of that resonates with you. And I think if you want to learn a particular technique, a photographic technique, if you follow exactly what Eduardo did with his last two projects, personal projects, you can not fail. I mean, he absolutely pushed himself to the limits with his 30-day projects. Yeah, there's no way you can come out of something like that and not absolutely be miles ahead of any photographer or yourself if you hadn't put yourself through that same process. Anyway, get back and have a listen if you haven't heard that episode. I'm sure you will get a ton from what Eduardo had to share. You're listening to the number one photography business podcast with Andrew Helmich, photobizx.com. Alrighty, we're going to jump into this interview with Blair de Lobenfels in just a second. If you are hearing this announcement, you probably know the drill if you've been listening for any length of time. It does mean you are listening to the free version of the podcast. And what that means is you won't be hearing the full interview today with Blair because I save a big portion of the second half for premium members only. So if you are loving what you hear from Blair in the first half and you will get a ton from what she has to share, if you're loving all that and you'd like to hear the full interview with Blair, head over to photobizx.com forward slash try. And for $1, you can grab a 30-day trial premium membership. You'll get access to the full interview today with Blair. You'll get access to the full back catalog, and you get to hear the full interviews with any previous guest. And you will hear names that Blair throws up in this interview, like Two Man Studio, Gabe McClintock, Jen Huang, photographers, amazingly talented, super successful photographers like these and more. You will find all those photographers that have been interviewed in the back catalogue for PhotobizX. People like Jerry Gahonis, Fur Waristi, Ben Crisman. I mean, there are, there are so many. There's over 377 different interviews in the back catalogue. And you can hear the full interviews with every single one of those guests if you really want to give yourself a challenge for as little as $1 with a trial membership. And hopefully, if you find the extra info super helpful and you actually see improvements in your business because you're able to implement just some of what you hear from these guests, I think you'll find the premium membership invaluable and well worth the very small investment. photobizx.com forward slash try if you want to check it out. Welcome to another great eye for business. It's time for Andrew's special guest. Today's guest was recommended by premium member and photographer Kelly Wilkie, who emailed me to say... Blair de Lorbenfels was the founder and owner of Junebug Weddings. She's recently launched a new website, World's Best Wedding Photos. Blair was doing some consulting about photography curation with the editor of Rangefinder magazine for the 30 Rising Stars issue last year. Kelly says, I was chosen by the editors to submit to that contest, which is how I found Blair. It was hell trying to put together 30 images for the submission and I hired her to help me curate that gallery. Kelly goes on to say, I thought it would be interesting to hear Blair share how to curate photos and how she used contests and publishing to elevate photographers' marketing and SEO efforts. 
It's what I've been doing now for a couple of years and it's given me the street cred as well as the confidence to charge what I do for wedding coverage. I did some research. I totally agree with Kelly and approached Blair for this interview to tap into some of her 22 years of wedding world experience as a photographer, author, consultant, speaker, executive and publisher. I'm wrapped to have her with us now. Blair, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. This is fun. <laughs> well, it sounds like you have already had an incredible life in the wedding industry. So what's led you to world's best wedding photos? Well, it's been quite a journey. So let me see if I can tell you how I got into photography. So in 1999, my husband and I were traveling in Europe quite extensively. He'd quit Microsoft. We had a seven-year-old child. And about halfway through our trip, we found out that we had lost all of the money that we own. And I won't tell you how we did that, but it was a set of uh, a series of mistakes. So we found ourselves in several hundred thousand dollars worth of debt to the IRS for having not paid our huge tax bill before we left and then lost so much stock. So I was faced with what was I going to do with my life for a career. And I had my Nikon film cameras with me and a Mamiya 645, and I was falling in love with photography. So on the way home on the plane, I decided I would go to fine art school and become a photographer. (laughs) (laughs) So within a year of going to film school, I started to be a portrait photographer and a wedding photographer. And through sort of one lucky thing after another, and especially the people around me who supported my work, I was able to get a pretty successful business go off the ground in about 18 months and then shoot weddings with a friend of mine for the next eight years in Seattle, mainly. And I really, really enjoyed it. But one of the things I most enjoy is promoting other people. It's kind of like how I fall in love with people at weddings. It just really becomes about them. And I'm not much of a star personality. I'm not somebody who really cares if everybody knows my name or anything like that. And what I realized is I really like supporting the vendors around me, the florists, the cake people, the photographers. Uh, that's what made us start Junebug Weddings. We did it actually as a project, not as a business. And then we realized we had so much passion for it, we turned it into a business and it became quite successful. So that was really great. And I love that work. I sold the business about four and a half years ago. And unfortunately, right after that, my only child passed away. So I went traveling for many years and took a deep look at what did I want to do with the rest of my life once again. And I decided that it was what I'd always loved was really the photography aspect of everything to do with weddings. And I just came back full circle to do that. So I called on a lot of really wonderful friends around the world to help me launch. And in spite of the crazy timing, we're off to a good start. So I'm feeling really grateful. Wow. I mean, that is incredible. So many questions already. I have to ask you, when you were facing that that giant tax bill, and I can't even imagine what you and your husband were going through at the time, did you have a chance to sort of regather your thoughts and think, okay, photography is going to be a business that's going to be an income earner, or were you scrambling to bring an income in any way you could? Like, what was that period like? Well, I'd always been an entrepreneur. So before I stayed home with my son for several years, before that, I'd run like five different businesses, everything from like tax services to restaurants, like all different kinds of things. So I'm an entrepreneur at heart. And I knew if I turned my mind to it, that there was a lot going on in photography at the time and that I would get into it, know what I liked and then push that. 
And so when I got into it, portraits are what first got my attention. I really love the one-on-one creativity working with people. And then naturally just kind of fell into weddings and was surprised at how much I liked it, like a lot of photographers. So I added that to it. But I'm always just looking for to live on the passion that I have. And then I know kind of instinctively how to turn that into business. I mean, I even had like two paper routes when I was a kid and lemonade stands, you know, the whole deal. (laughs) (laughs) But I imagine like when you were facing that, that financial crisis, I mean, I can't believe you still went to school to go and learn photography and build up the business slow. Like, didn't you go and have to go and get a job, you know, as a checkout chick, you know, just do something to bring income in? No, I literally just borrowed a ton of money. I went in even (laughs) deeper debt. (laughs) Really? And I went absolutely full bore into photography. Like I put my heart and soul into it and learning the business of it. I took extra classes. I took all kinds of business classes at the same time that I was taking black and white one and color processing and, you know, experimental this, that, and the other thing, lighting classes. So I just dove into it really hard. And I knew that there were people out there that did not have training that were making good money. And so I thought, well, if I can get solid training and solid craftsmanship, then I have a business mind to turn this into a business quickly. And so it worked. And we were able to pay the bills for our house within 18 months off of it. My husband got rehired at Microsoft, worked there for many years. And so everything went well. It just took, there was just like a, about an 18 month, really scary moment of risk, I should say. Amazing. A month of risk. Uh And you talked a little bit there about Junebug Weddings and how that started as a project became a business. What was the business model for that business? Yeah. So basically what I wanted to do and is exactly what I do with World's Best is I just wanted to promote the people that I could 100% personally promote that I like felt really attached to their business. So we created an exclusivity model. And basically we said there's no more than 10 people in each city that will promote and they paid a subscription fee for the year for us to promote them, which included lots of different things. And when we first started, we had a hundred people on the site and no one was paying. So we said to them, we'll give you six months for free. And if you want to pay us at the end, you can. And literally all but one person paid us except a florist who was moving out of town. So we just started the model and off we went. We eventually had some ads, but I wasn't really into that. We didn't build the business out nearly as large as it could have been. Although we did, we were able to flip it for a pretty decent amount. But this business that I'm working on now is more of a venture business. It's going to be much larger. Right. Okay. So just with Junebug, you see you had advertisers, but it was really the photographers that were supporting the business. Yeah. Like so many things out there, you know, like Junebug still does that. Magazines do that. There's a lot of organizations that do that just to get like free submissions to their contests. So that's a pretty standard business model in the wedding photography space. For sure. So have you seen that the old site change much since you sold it? Oh, very, very, very much. Yes. <laughs> in a negative way, positive way? Um, it's just very different. It's a style. So, you know, me being a photographer first, we didn't really have a style. A lot of blogs have a particular style, right? So Martha Stewart has a very pastel look to what they do. They show a lot of luxury details. So everybody's got their brand, right? So for Junebug right now, there's a lot of filters that are very warm, sort of to the brown side filters. You see that's very consistent through the site. It's like a, it's a strong style that they have. 
so that is what shows up and that's the photographers that use those kinds of filters and have that style or particularly the voices there. So it's a little different. So when I owned the site, what we really strived for was to look at individual distinctive voices of photographers. So not a particular style, but a particular individual style. And that's how I make the decisions on World's Best is does that person have such a strong distinctive style that I feel like I can promote them based on their own work, not based on a larger sort of theme. Got it. Okay, I'm going to come back to World's Best in a minute, but just sticking with Joombug, Mm -hmm. who wants to buy a business like that? Oh, gosh, we sold it in like 15 minutes. It was crazy. Really? So you decided to sell it? Did someone approach you to buy it or were you you thinking, okay? I went to a broker to sell it and just told them the multiple I wanted on uh, the amount that we were making. So, you know, obviously there's a ways to evaluate businesses based on your sales and what the people within it are being paid, et cetera. And at the time, the multiples were running about five times. So I just worked with someone. Of course, I already was very much set up to sell. So I already had all my ducks in a row in terms of modeling for the future, really tight accounting on the past, a strong growth curve, which are all the things you don't want to sell your business unless you're on a strong growth curve. So I had set those up along with my partners for years. We'd worked on that. So when it was time to do it, we actually got three offers that day and a full price cash offer without no earnout. Uh, people didn't even want to fly to Seattle to meet us. They just bought it. And are they based in the US or overseas? In Austin, Texas. Right. So how much did you sell it for? I can't say. It's part of my agreement with them. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Over a million? Yes. Fantastic. So you walked away a happy woman. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I worked. I didn't take a vacation one day for eight years. So <laughs> I was an exhausted woman. (laughs) (laughs) I can imagine. I can imagine. (laughs) But back then there was a lot more that went into building content because people would really want to see these whole real weddings with tons and tons of content. And now people, they don't have bandwidth like that, right? For thinking about that stuff. So this, we have a very new model where we show just what the people are looking for. So if they're looking for emotional moments, we break them down into that. If they're looking for details, we've got it broken down into that. So our our galleries are very segmented and our blog posts are very just on niche topics. So we can really focus on the photography as the first thing and give people those more granular stuff that they're looking for. Got it. All right. Again, I'm going to dive deeper into World's Best in a second, but when you sold June bugs, I don't know what it's called. I'm sure there's a name for this. Is there some kind of contractual agreement where you can't start another website like that for a certain amount of years or in a certain area? Yeah, that always depends on the agreement you have with the buyer, but we gave them a three-year non-compete. And I felt that that was, that was pretty generous. And it was not quite just a shy of five years before I started World's Best again. Right. Nice. And you talked briefly, you mentioned that your son passed away. What happened? Well, um, you're not exactly sure. He had a severe head injury that looks like he may have fallen down the stairs on the way to his room at college. He was in fabulous health. He is the captain of his tennis team, 22 years old, just two weeks away from graduating. and was just in absolutely phenomenal shape. Um, So uh, they never really quite determined that, but their best guess was an injury from falling. Gosh, that's terrible, Blair. I'm so sorry. Yeah, it totally changed my life in ways unimaginable. And 
it's made me such a more present person and it's really, really opened my heart. So it's kind of, I think people often think of those things as just tragedy, but, um, oh gosh, they're so complex. There's so much in it. Yeah, I kind of, I've got two sons around the same age and, you know, they're both the snow at the moment and they, you know, it's a six hour drive from home and it's, it's always your worst fear and you're always worried about them. And I just can't imagine what you've gone through. Yeah. Let me ask you about Kelly, who suggested I get in touch with you and the work that you do, or you did with her and it sounds like you do with other photographers about curating. What is that? Is that something that you offer now? Is that something you're doing between June Bug and World's Best? Yeah, so I do offer it now. I don't market it, but people ask me to do it all the time. <laughs> so uh, it is one of my services. So primarily what I do for photographers is I write content and curate content for websites. And, you know, obviously the visual content is the most important thing for a photographer, but they go hand in hand. And the thing that I see most often is people not knowing what work to show So they show a lot of disparate things. Sometimes they have different processing styles. Sometimes just the overall vibe doesn't feel the same. So what I try to do is to really narrow it down and help them get excited about their distinctive voice, like to stop emulating others and to really find what their pocket is and where their strength is. And once we can determine that, then you can really make the portfolio shine. The other thing that I do is to help make an emotional ride for the viewers. So You know, it's really important what your first one to five photographs are. They have to take people on this kind of crescendo up and then into your art and all the way through to a big end. So when I do contests, which I've done very, very many um, in my life, I've always been the one to put them in order for Junebug and World's Best. And the order of things is so important when you're grabbing an audience. So that's what I do with a lot of people. They'll generally send me 300 photographs for me to look through. I'll put together a collection that I think really shows their voice. We'll discuss whether that vibes for them or not, and then um, kind of build from there how to make their portfolio really sell, how to make those first few images, keep people on the page, that kind of thing. Right. So if I come to you and I want to hire you to help me curate you know, images for my website or for a competition, and I send you 300 images, like what are you first looking for? Is it a color? Is it a certain look? Is it expressions from the images? Is it black and white or color? Like what are you looking for? And then where do you go from there? Well, so the first thing I look at is consistency because that's a huge problem. So if all of your black and white doesn't look the same or all of your color processing doesn't look the same, then your distinctive voice can't be there. Like you would never see a painter all of a sudden start using a different palette, right? So what I try to do is to help people see that and make very deliberate decisions. So sometimes I'll say, well, why is your black and white kind of to the warm side here and really dark and contrasty here? And why are we jumping all over to this like grayscale? And they'll say, oh, I know I'm doing that. And I really need to stop doing that. And then I say, okay, well, which one are you really going to vibe with? Because it's got to be you, right? And it's got to go with your color. So there's, I'm a black and white fanatic. And so I'm like, That's one of the things I first look at is what are they doing with that? And then I'll look at all their color processing. And once I've decided where their pocket is, where they're really singing with their processing, then I'll say, okay, well, why don't we stick to this? So let's make everything look like that, right? And then... Sorry, Blair, one second. So let's say you've identified with the photographer, you both identified a certain look to the black and white and a certain look to the color. 
then what are you suggesting they go back to that set of 300 images and apply those same, let's call them presets, to those images to get a consistency? Yes. Not necessarily the 300 images, but any images they're going to show on their website. So all of the photos in their favorite galleries that they, yeah, literally go back through those those featured weddings and all of that. Because if I'm a couple and I want to hire a photographer, I want to know what I'm hiring them for. Yes. Right? I want their look and nobody else's look. So if I can't know what that is and I don't feel it, if I don't vibe with it emotionally, that that's what I'm expecting, then I don't know what to expect. And really weddings are all about trust, right? That connection is all about trust. So that's one of the ways you create trust before you ever meet the client. Okay. So I imagine that so many photographers would say to you, well, Blair, I mean, it really depends on the couple. That's why I give, you know, these black and whites, this process and this one, this process, or I'm really not sure what I like. I like both. What do you say to that photographer? Okay, so this brings up an interesting topic. So there's all different kinds of goals, right? So for me to be successful as a consultant, I have to help people reach their goal. There isn't one particular goal. So if their goal is to be an artist and they want to be seen, if they want someone to look at their photos and that say, that's a such and such, right? Like you do with, that's a Van Gogh, that's a Rubens, that's a Cartier-Bresson, that's Ansel Adams. If you want to be an artist, you must be consistent. There's no way around it. But if you want to be a craftsman and sell and make your clients happy and you want to do that, that's perfectly great. And you can make tons of money doing that and you can move and bend, but you can't really hold... Uh, I don't think you can really shine out there and get to the top unless you're distinctive throughout, like unless it's absolutely consistent. I love it. I love what you just said there, that to be an artist, you need to be consistent and you need to show consistency in your work. I think that sums it up beautifully. And I cut you off earlier. So you said that the first thing is to go through and identify that palette that the photographer wants or that you think is going to work best for them. So let's say we've passed that stage, we've identified the palette or you have, what happens next when you're going through that curation process? So once we have that agreement, then I start to talk to him about the style and the voice. So for instance, with Kelly, she's got this, you know, very classic look. She went to film school. She, you know, has that background to do the beautiful black and whites. And so we went through and kind of chose this style that she has. It has this romantic vibe to it and has that really solid classic black and white. And worked with that and just started saying, okay, well, so let's do all the best of that. And it really brought it together pretty quickly, like when we were choosing for Rangefinder, because that's what they're looking for too. Uh, Jackie's a really good friend of mine there. And I know that what she wants is two things from those photos is a wow factor. And then the consistency, the distinctive voice, because as a promoter, you can't really write about somebody without knowing that. For instance, at Junebug, I used to write the reviews for every photographer that came on. And I think I wrote a couple thousand over the years that I was there. And every one of them was distinct because I could look at their work and it spoke to me in a different way. Like yesterday, we welcomed some people from the UK, Emma and Rich. And their stuff is so bright and it's true to life, but a tiny bit enhanced. But it's upbeat. It's fun. People are laughing. People are in motion. That's happening throughout their entire portfolio, which is one of the reasons that I was really excited to have them. Or like Victor Lax, who's always thinking out of the box with using shadow and light in such a dramatic way in composition in these very dramatic ways. So 
I love to be able to explain to someone else why a photographer is particularly good with their own style. And if I can't do it, then I can't really promote them well. Right. So, okay. So that, as an example, I think you said the two photographers from the UK, they had bright, true to life, maybe a slightly enhanced color, lots of expression. So if they have a dark, moody shot in their, their photograph for a client that they might include an album, are you saying that's okay, but don't include it in your portfolio? Um, I don't know why they would have a, they may have a moody shot, of course, because they're going to cover everything, right? So they might have something that's really tear jerking. But if all of a sudden they just have a shot that looks like an oil painting or is like, um, well, I think about somebody who's got a really strong style that is very romantic is the Kitcheners from Scotland and their work looks like it's almost out in the fog, you know, it has, or, or Gabe McClintock. If they had a photo that looked like theirs in their portfolio, I would tell them to take it out because it would look like they were emulating somebody else and they weren't sure what their style was. I wouldn't tell them to show it to their clients at all. I'd tell them not to take it in the first place. <laughs> Did you say you tell them not to take it in the first place? Don't take it in the first place. Take your <laughs> stuff. Like take what really, because if you're going that far, like if you're trying to take a photo that looks like someone else's, you've lost your voice, right? And that's just confusion. The only thing you can do under the pressure of a shoot that is intense as a large wedding can be is to be yourself, right? Yeah. But what if you're a bright, airy photographer, for lack of a better term, and you get invited, you get flown to Scotland to photograph a wedding and it is foggy and dark and has a totally different mood. You still have to photograph it as best you can. As best you can, but it's not going to look that way that another photographer would. It just doesn't, right? Because you're going to expose at a certain level that you're going to expose at. You have a subconscious color palette that you're working with that you may not be aware of. So, I mean, I think this is one of the things I love most about photography and from the very beginning is when I would get homework in college and people would come back and it would be this very simple homework. You know, you'd think, oh yeah, I know how to go do that. And you'd come back and everyone would have a completely different take on it. And even people that had similar takes, the photos would look so different. And that's what I love about it is that when photographers try to emulate photographers, it just looks like a bad thing of that other photographer. Yes. Right. It's only when you really have your own voice really going for powerfully is when you hit the mark. Look, I agree, but I think that is one of the most difficult things in the world is for the photographer to find that voice, to find yes. a style and absolutely love it enough to stick with it Yeah, because it's so easy to change. Yeah. And I've seen it all happen. I mean, the trends that have changed. Oh my goodness. When we first started Joombug, it was all about lens flare. And then it went through a phase where things were slightly blue and then they were slightly pink. And we've seen, I remember the first silhouette I ever saw, I'm sure it wasn't the first one it was ever taken, but it was a photo from Ben Chrisman in 2005. And it just blew my mind. I was like, oh my gosh, what is this? And then within two years, we were getting over a thousand silhouettes to every contest. <laughs> yeah. Right. So, but is that now Ben Chrisman's style? Like, does he own that because he was the first to submit it? Even though another photographer. Oh, didn't. no, no. I mean, it's such a cool idea, right? And that's the thing that's wonderful about artists. And I'm sure he'd be the first one to say, because he's such a generous teacher, is that, you know, ideas come into the zeitgeist, right? Somebody does them and they may think they were the first one, but they may be wrong. And then probably wrong, <laughs> you know, other people jump on it and it gets into the zeitgeist. And what's really cool is if you go, okay, here's a tool, here's an idea, but I can do it with my style. Yes. Right. I don't have to make it look like Ben's or like two man. I can do it myself. I mean, it's a tool, right? You're going to shoot into something really bright in order to create a total silhouette of your subject. So you can do that in a million different ways with a million different voices. 
True, true. Okay, let me take you back then to the curation process. You've settled on a look and the photographer's gone away and added some consistency or you've talked about that. What's the next step in that curation process? And you've got the voice. You've seen that voice. So I think then creating the order, you know, and the impact for each page, is it supporting the content? So a lot of times people have wonderful photos and then you get to their contact page and there's nothing there. And there's nothing upbeat to make that person feel good when they contact them. You know, so they want like a super upbeat, fun or something. If the person's hiring you because it's moody and because then that's got to be on that contact page. Also adding reviews, uh, quotes from people throughout your site as if they're visual or as if they're, because I think of everything as visual, like the content is visual. So whenever I'm writing for a website, I actually put all of the photos in before the content so that the content will support it and it doesn't fight with the imagery. So sometimes you see like there'll be photos and then there's just so much content. There's so much written content that you're not focusing on the photo. So I'm always trying to think about how can I get the viewer's eye to go right to the photo, right? And have an emotional response and then have the written content back that up. Okay. So when you're helping a photographer then with their website, do you want the client or the prospective client to read the copy or do you want them to focus more on the images? For photographers, I want them to focus more on the images. Well, and actually in almost everything these days, I think visual content is so much more powerful. So what I want them to do is to, first of all, open up, have the logo and everything on the front page, everything about the front page be so harmonious that you get a vibe right away. And so that vibe is either, oh, this is so romantic and beautiful. This is so upbeat and fun or whatever it is. And you have that immediate response that you want the client to have. They're your ideal client and you want them to love your work. So it's like, it's just so you know juicy about your work and then you just keep backing it up all the way through now of course they want to know who you are but they don't want to know everything about you but really what they want to know is basically you know kind of what's your personality how are you to hang out with and what are you going to do for them as a photographer that somebody else is not going to do or some experience that you're going to give them that they're going to connect with and they're going to say yeah this is my photographer before they ever meet you yeah okay that makes good sense so when you're helping a photographer with this, is this then, will you actually pull out, say, previous or older blog posts or get them to reprocess the images on those blog posts? Yeah. So for instance, um, gosh, I was just working with another UK photographer this week. And so rather the way his site was, was it was easier for me to actually go through Instagram and blog posts and pull out what I thought was the strongest imagery. And then talk about that and decide on, you know, was he agreeing with that? Were we going the right way? And then I put the photos in order for his favorites gallery in the front. And then we went through the blog posts on the phone because whenever I consult, it also includes an hour on the phone to talk about everything that I saw and go back over it. But I do a lot of prep work. And so then we went through the blog posts that I felt should be kept on the site that were fresh enough and should be in the first positions. And just said, okay, here's the photos that you need to reprocess. And so they did that. And it's phenomenal how fast it happens, how much you can just flip a website around in not that much time. I also help people with like file names and just, I'm really into SEO. And I see a lot of photographers who don't do their file names correctly or don't do their alt text correctly. So I also try to help them with that because if you're going to take all that time to make a photo gorgeous, you want somebody to find it. Yes, <laughs> true. I'm going to come back to SEO and competitions in one second, but 
I can't get this question out of my head that's sort of just sitting there because you brought up a, a photographer, Gabe McClintock, that I think is a perfect example. And I know that this is a little bit of a hypothetical, but Gabe, he hasn't really changed his style. He has a certain look about his photography that's been with him for, I guess, almost, it must be six, seven, eight years since he got discovered, let's call it. If he comes to you and says, Blair, I'm ready for a change, like I am over this look, what would you say to Gabe? Oh, my goodness. Well, first of all, I would be like, what? <laughs> I That would never happen because I don't think Gabe's going to get over his look. Um, I think that a lot of people got into his look, but I think that he's still loved for it. And it's natural for him to shoot that way. It's just so it may go in and out of style. I don't know. I think he still does quite well, but it's going to appeal to a certain amount of people, right? And if you're always trying to do what the latest thing is, at some point, it's going to fall apart, right? At some point, it's going to be dated if it's not really distinctively you. So I think if someone tries to pretend to be Gabe and that's not really where their pocket is, they're going to end up changing their look, but he's probably not. Premium members of PhotoBiz Exposed hear more of the best photography business strategies from every guest. So you are the consummate facilitator. I love it. I love it. So how do photographers get onto the website, onto World's Best? Well, in the beginning, it was all invitation. Now we take kind of an application. People, they sign up, it says become a member. They tell us about themselves and their website and their Instagram. And then we go check it out. And if we feel like they have that distinctive voice together that we can promote, then we invite them to join. And most of it is by invitation though. And we've been really slow at the invitations. Like we have an enormous list of people we'd like to have on, but we really want to be able to, you know, like give them editorial, give them all those things. And one of the things we do that no other site does, it might be crazy. <laughs> we tag and file name and alt text and all that business, all the SEO for every single photo. And each photo has its own separate page. So when we bring in a photographer to the website, the average onboarding is about five or six hours to tag their photos, get their stuff built out so that we feel like they have a beautiful portfolio, curate their stuff for editorial. So I know that I can get them involved in editorial fairly quickly. So it's not you pay and you have an account and you do all the work yourself. There's a lot of onboarding. So we, we only can bring on um, max. We're pushing. If we brought on 10, we'd be pushing too hard, right? And so we don't even do anything close to that. It's more like 10 a month. Right. And then what does it cost if you do get an invitation? Yeah. So the full price in the US is our starting price was $600. And then we cut it by 60% during COVID, which we're going to keep at this point, probably through October. We're starting to see people be able to book for next year, although they're still losing a lot of money, even though they're going to be really busy next year, a lot of it's rescheduling. So we're kind of working with the economy. There are exceptions. Uh, so that's been 240 for the last two months. And yeah, we're going to keep that until probably the end of October. And then there's a few exceptions in the world because we want people from all over the world and we don't want them to not be able to. So like South Africa is half price and we're still giving a decent discount there. Argentina. There's some places that are under severe financial pressure right now. And we want to be aware of that for the photographers. So really to me, it's more important that the brand is really good and the relationships are really good because from there I can kind of build 
out anything from there, right? I want to be off onto that real firm footing and just focus on world's best wedding photos for a couple of years while we get that SEO and things firing from everywhere, right? You just have to have it coming from every direction in order to be real competitive today. Sure. And I can see here on your membership page, like the photographer needs to have been shooting three years full time as a professional, 50 or more weddings as a lead photographer. And it goes on from there. So you're looking for experienced photographers with a great portfolio and a look. Yeah, they've got to be experienced because I can't recommend anyone who's not experienced, right? And every once in a while, you see somebody who's really got a great eye, has been shooting less than that. But I think, I just feel like they haven't really settled into themselves yet. And then who knows about all the other stuff, you know, the contracting, all the mistakes you make in the beginning that they may not have ironed out. So usually after about three years and 50 weddings, people have gotten a little bit of feel. I'd like to see more weddings than that but we do keep it that low just because every once in a while there's somebody who's really, really talented and we want to support them. Got it. Just quickly, what happens then when I'm looking for a photographer, I'm getting married in Seattle. So I come to world's best wedding photos. I go to the Seattle area. I find a photographer that I like. Do I connect with them automatically or do I go through you? Yeah. So right now that you connect with them automatically, you just go to their website. We have a beautiful portfolio for every photographer. So people can stay on our website and see a complete portfolio from that photographer and learn a lot about them so that they're more drilled down when they, you know, it's more likely they're going to go through all 12 in the case of Seattle, because that's, we're a little smaller city. So we kept it that. So it's more likely that they'll look at all 12 and then they're only going to move forward to the website on the ones that they're really connecting with. And that's what we want them. We want to like pre-sell them on the photographers with this portfolio that we have. Also, that portfolio gives us an opportunity to have a ton of images with strong SEO for the photographer. So it shows up in their Google image search. And then that all starts to pull together, right? So SEO is such a wonderful puzzle, right? (laughs) But you have to have all of those pieces, all the visual content for them as well in order to have them start showing up associated with our brand. So this is why you're alt tagging, you're renaming files, you're making it as easy as possible for the photographer to get discovered. Exactly. Because it's already showing up. We see a lot of people where we're showing up ahead of their own website because we're putting the SEO work in and they're not. And so I have put out a couple SEO tips to photographers. And once we get through this, these contests that we're on next year, I'm going to spend a lot more time putting out tips about SEO business and marketing and all of those things to our members because I feel like I see a lot of mistakes being made, especially around file names where people are doing their file names for their client. So it's categorized for the client and numbers, but it's not categorized for what Google wants to read in order for it to come up in Google image search. So a lot of times we'll just get something and it'll say, you know, Joe, Susie, 0157, da, da, da. And we'll change that into, you know, romantic rustic wedding with, you know, at the lakeside, da, 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 you know, here's the name of the location. We'll have the location, the photographer's name, those specifics in there that are much more likely to get that image found for them. Yes. Yeah, totally agree. SEO is a huge, a huge thing, a huge topic. Blair, this has been such a lovely chat. I've really enjoyed talking to you. You've shared so much. I'm guessing the best place for the listener to go to learn more about you and what you're doing is worldsbestweddingphotos.com. Is there anywhere else they should go? They can just go to about and get a hold of me. They can just write to me, Blair, without an E, just B-L-A-I-R at worldsbestweddingphotos.com. My consulting business is art, life, and business, but they all kind of match up. You know, I just send my invoices from my consulting business, but they all match up. 
I generally am at least three weeks out with helping people because I work with on World's Best probably 60 hours a week. <laughs> and I have, so I have one day that I do all of the curation projects and I usually can do about three or four in a day tops. So it just depends on what the queue is like. Right now I'm about three weeks out. Okay, great. Well, I'm going to add links to all those and also the social media accounts so people can find you easily. Again, it's been wonderful to chat to you. I hope I hope you are taking some time for yourself and enjoying life as well. You sound like you're so busy. I am, but you know, I am. I am an avid hiker and a gardener. And so I have a backyard that I really love and, you know, take my little breaks in. And every few weeks I go hiking, camping, and I'll just go for a couple of days and turn it over to the team and it's great. And then the rest of the time, I'm just kind of a high energy person anyways, and I like work. So it's, it's, I think it sounds worse than it is. I'm, I have a lot of fun. <laughs> good, good. Blair, again, thank you so much. It's been wonderful to chat to you. Thank you. You too, Andrew. Thank you so much. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Blair as much as I did. Blair, if you're listening, again, thank you so much for coming on and sharing everything you did. I'm looking forward to following along and seeing your blog, your website, World's Best Wedding Photos, go from strength to strength. And uh, yeah, look, I, I really love what you're doing there. It really is incredible. And I'm sure with your past experience, this new business venture will become absolutely huge. For you, the listener, I hope you did get a ton from what Blair had to share. If you have a follow-up question for Blair, you can hit her up in the comments area of the show notes and you'll find them this week at photobizx.com forward slash 378. And if you are a premium member, I'll be adding Blair into the members Facebook group so you'll have easy access to her there. If you have any follow-up questions, you know, whether it's regarding curation, style, finding your message, entering competitions, SEO, alt tagging, anything that we covered, if you have a follow-up question, for Blair, hit her up in the members Facebook group. And if you're unsure about what exactly what Blair was talking about when she's talking about curation, go and check out the Photo Biz X show notes for today's episode because Blair has supplied me with some great collection of images that fit together for particular photographers. So if you jump over to the show notes, again, they are at photobizx.com forward slash 378 you'll see a collection of images, really super easy to see right away, from Jen Huang, from Callaway Gable, Two Man Studios, Greg Fink, and Victor Lax, and you'll see immediately what Blair has been talking about when she talks about curating a selection of images to give your photography studio a look. It all becomes super, super clear once you see these image layouts. I've got two big shout outs for today's episode. And this first one goes to John Wright, who is a senior photographer based in Mobley, USA. And I just love this. Well, this was an email actually from John, which I'm, I'm putting in the review section because of what he said. He says in this email that he sent to me, and I'm going to abbreviate it slightly, that three weeks ago, I quit my job to be a full-time photographer. I could not have done it without your podcast. I hope I've learned enough about the business to make a go of it. He goes on to say that my old job was killing me in every way. We'd been working overtime every week for over four months with no end in sight and the bosses were too cheap to hire more help. Like a chronic pain, it was wearing me down physically, emotionally, spiritually, creatively and relationally. I was not the dad 
that my kids needed or the husband my wife married. John goes on to say a few other nice things, but he finishes off by saying, my kids have their dad back, my wife is happy again, and I don't feel like I'm sacrificing my body to grow someone else's business. I'm living my dream now. You had a hand in that, and I thank you. All the best, John. So just amazing, John. I was so, so happy to receive your email. I'm so happy for you, and I'm sure the listener is as well, mate. So thank you so much for, for sharing that with me and to think that I've had a little part in, uh, in your change of direction, your change of lifestyle, your happiness makes me super happy, mate. So yeah, look, all, all the very best from me and other listeners. I'm sure we're all thinking exactly the same thing. The second big shout out goes to John Christ. And he says, whether you're well established as a photographer who can translate creative energy into the impact you want to have on the world, or just getting started carving out a profitable niche that's ready to grow, this is a must-listen podcast for you. He goes on to say a few other nice things, and he highly recommends listening and subscribing to the podcast. So massive thanks to you, John. Really appreciate you taking the time to leave that rating and review. And I've left a copy of your review with a link to your website using the keyword phrase that you're looking to rank for as my little way of saying thanks. I've done that for both Josh and for John. And I can do exactly the same for you. If you haven't left a review, an honest review for the podcast, do so in iTunes, Stitcher, Overcast, or wherever you listen to the podcast. Leave an honest rating and review. Let me know you've done that, and I'll add a link to your website using the keyword phrase that you're looking to rank for so I can do a little something to help you with your SEO and help your site rank a little higher in Google search. It's my little way to say thanks for taking the time to leave a review. Alrighty, that is it for this episode of the podcast. I hope wherever you are, you are staying safe, healthy, and well. A big thanks to Blair for coming on and sharing everything she did. A big thanks also to Kelly Wilkie, premium member Kelly Wilkie, for suggesting Blair as a fantastic guest. Don't forget to check out this week's show notes so you can see examples of the kind of curation that Blair was talking about. And again, stay safe healthy and well and i'll talk to you soon bye for now if you have enjoyed this episode head to photobizx.com join the conversation leave a comment and share your thoughts on the interview with andrew and today's special guest 